Welcome to a brand new edition of Believe in Heels Hoops, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Networks and presented by Bet Online AG. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson from Spack Road Sports Radio, joined by my co-host, R.L. Bynum from the Tar Heel Tribune. You can follow us on Twitter slash X, Facebook, Instagram, all the good social media channels as we're here each week giving you a recap and preview of your North Carolina Tar Heels basketball squads. Uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels 8-0 and in conference play. Ranked number three in the country after a convincing uh, 85 to 64 win over Wake Forest that uh, was really the tale of two games, uh, RL. Um, I'm sure you were in the Dean Dome while this was going down. Let's just get your initial thoughts on uh, the first half as opposed to the second half uh, for North Carolina uh, taking on a feisty Wake Forest team. Yeah, that, this game reminded me a lot of the Pittsburgh game in the first 10 minutes where the offense started out really skittish and struggling. And in other years, uh, Carolina would have fallen into a big hole that they couldn't overcome. But in both of the games, a tough defense and rebounding kept them close until the offense could get going. And when then the offense got going and the game went going in the second half, uh, it was it was just a – fun uh, game to watch uh, after being down at halftime, which was a little surprising. But, you know, in the Wake Forest game, just like most of the games in the nine-game win streak, the Tardos just seemed to get stronger down the stretch. Yes. Uh, and, and that's something that you didn't see last season. I mean, my goodness, they didn't give up a three-pointer after halftime. And that's probably the best half that they've played since the first half against Tennessee. It was just very impressive. I've got some theories about this three-point defense that Carolina's uh, telling right now. Um, before we get any deeper, though, I do need to read uh, our read from Bet Online. Um, I forgot to do it last time. I said I wasn't going to forget it this time. So uh, a word from our sponsors over at Bet Online: With the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered for all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores with additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop. Excuse me, on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there. To get in on the action and see all the updated odds, remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And I noticed... Related related to that, uh, it sounds like uh, you'll be able to go on apps and legally bet in North Carolina by the ACC tournament. So there you go. So so if you do that, make sure you go to bet online, get that 50% welcome bonus, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, like it's spelled up above, and uh, get in there. I, I know I've got pr- plenty of friends that are waiting for, for this to open up. So <laughs> definitely take advantage of the bonus there. Um, the three-point shooting. I feel like Hubert is flaunting the fact that the majority of basketball played today is outside in. And he knows it. And he's a three-point shooter himself. And he probably loves it. But too many teams shoot too many threes. And I think that they're 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 exploiting this. So they know that you're going to shoot 25, 33 attempts or whatever it's going to be during the game. Some even more than that. I think Kentucky's leading the country in like three-point attempts per game or something crazy. But to me, being old school, it's almost like, okay, that works when the, when it's going in. But when it's not going in, you get into this this repetition of just constantly launching threes. And that's what happened to Wake uh, the other night in the second half where uh, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Damari Monsanto started to worry me a little bit early on in the first half. He started he had a couple back to back, and I was like, "Oh no!" Because <laughs> once he gets on, he might be the best three point shooter in the whole conference. And then it just kind of 
when they came out of the locker room for halftime or whatever for the second half, it was a Carolina playing really tight on the perimeter, which we've seen all year. It's not a fluke at this point. This is what they are. This is what they do. And it was some of Wake jacking shots. Like some of it, Wake was just throwing threes up. As soon as they saw some open space, they would just throw up a three. And that compiled with Carolina being able to run and go on runs like this team can do. This team will go on like a 20 to two run or whatever. Boom, 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 before you know it. And it's coming from all different spots. Like the one that kind of put the game kind of out of reach, RJ hit like two threes back to back and then uh, a couple of defensive stops. And I think it ended with a Cormac Ryan three or something. And before you know it, they're up like 16 points. <laughs> it's like, what just happened? So I don't know. This, this is a different team. The way it's built, it's different. Yeah. It, and, and, Keep in mind, Carolina didn't have a three-pointer until those two RJ three-pointers early yeah. in the second half. But, you know, there have been suggestions that UNC's streak of terrific perimeter defense was a case of teams just missing shots. Uh, one of those making that, that suggestion was Kevin Keats. But, you know, I, I think you can dismiss that at this point. I mean, if you take away Louisville, who shot 44% in, in that, that game, the other seven January opponents are only shooting 13.8% from three-point range. I mean, Sanity. It, like that's crazy. It's just, it's just, it, it's just so different. You know, one of the, one of the uh, laments of uh, Carolina fans for years is why can't they defend the three, three pointer? And suddenly they can do it. It's, 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 it's a big adjustment for Carolina fans who are used, used to not seeing this dynamic. The, um, Something that I didn't realize until uh, Hubert mentioned it in his post game, and I thought back on it. I'm like, dang, I think he's right. Um, RJ got a uh, RJ chant in the Ding Dome. Like normally, you don't get uh, player name chants in the Ding Dome, which sounds crazy with the history and everything else there. But I was thinking back on it, and I was like, who's the last player I could think of where the crowd was just chanting their name? Like, and I couldn't think of one. And Hubert Probably was. Like, Maybe Luke, yeah, maybe Luke. And that's like that Luke, yeah, that kind of thing. But Hubert was like, you know, that's the first time ever. He's like, I've been in this building a long time as a player and as a coach. That's the first time ever I've been in the building where the crowd started chanting a player's name. And uh, when he said it, I was just like, that can't be with all the players that have come through here. And then I started going through names I would have thought, and I'm like, I think he's right. <laughs> I can't think of another player where they've done this for and much deserved. RJ, career high, 36 points. Uh, he had 23 in the second half. Uh, he took Carolina from trailing by one at the break to just basically taking control of the game. Um, and I love the way that they don't rely on threes. Everything I was just saying before, how uh, teams everywhere seem to be relying on the three-point shot, that Golden State type of offense where everybody's just launching threes or whatever. Problem is you don't have Steph Curry, <laughs> so you can't play like that, but everyone thinks they can. So everyone from NC State, who we saw last week doing the same thing, wake on monday i imagine florida state's going to be doing the same thing saturday it, it almost it's almost like hubert kind of finally figured out you know we don't have to shoot 43s too we just need to defend the 40 they're going to shoot and if we're doing what we're doing we're going to be just fine we're going to get to 85 points anyway can they when they miss 23 pointers in a game against this and we're running up and down the court that's the trick and uh it doesn't it, it, it definitely helps that the, this is probably one of the oldest teams in college basketball uh cormac ryan's 25 <laughs> so, like he's out there starting so armando's on his fifth year so i mean this it, we've been tentative to kind of 
say how good we think this Carolina team can be, but now at this point, RL, you've seen, you know, eight ACC games. Uh, we've seen them play uh, 19 games total. They've played, I think, six or seven top 25 teams or four and two in those matchups. What uh your thoughts overall on this Tar Heel team right now, the makeup of it, and, and just the vibe of this team as I pull up the, uh, the ACC standings? Well, I mean, they're, they're confident. Obviously, they got a, a two-game lead over Florida State, Duke, and NC State in the ACC. And uh, it, they're, they're just cruising at this point. There's a long way to go, though, because there's 20 ACC games. So they, yeah, you remind me of before we started. I realized, yeah, they can't get as Roy used to say, "fat and happy." They got they got to keep moving forward. But it's it, it's really encouraging that the like I said, defense and rebounding. Uh, if if uh, the effort is there on those, obviously the shooting comes and goes. But uh, they're going to be excellent. I mean, RJ, he was. In a zone, he admitted he was in a zone. He was talking to us after the game. He's uh-huh. it's like a backyard hooping for him. And then he goes on Scott Van Pelt's uh, ESPN show Monday night. And then today he made uh, the Athletics midseason All-American team. So he's definitely in the All-American discussion. He's the favorite right now to be ACC Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. Inexplicably not making first or second team preseason ACC. So, uh, yeah, shame on you guys, <laughs> everyone that did not put this man on this list. Now, granted, nobody knew he was going to do this, but uh, I think it's okay for Mia Culpa and uh, you know, make sure this man is on the uh, first at least first team all ACC. I think he's first team all American. I was trying to think of another guard in the country that's playing like this, this consistently all year, and I can't really name one. Connective, uh, connective uh, Tennessee's been amazing, but he's like a forward though, isn't he? He's is not he a guard. I think Maybe so. more of a wing. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of a wing player. So I don't know. Um, of course, in today's positionless basketball, that might not matter. But uh, looking at the standings here, um, of course, Carolina's got a commanding two-game lead uh, as we stand right now today. Um, and right behind them, you can see who we've got on Saturday, the Seminoles, Florida State, uh, sneakily up to uh, second place in the ACC at 6-2. and two. Uh, twelve and seven overall. They had a they had a really hard uh, non conference. They struggled in non conference play a little bit, um, and they struggle a little bit away from home too. Um, actually, I already have four home losses, so that makes me feel a little bit better because we're going to Tallahassee Saturday, correct? Right, and and that's not been an easy place for Carolina to win, even with the best teams. And this Seminoles team is a lot different than the one that Carolina saw in December. They're playing a lot better, so it, it's not going to be an easy day uh, down there. They, they've always given us trouble. Leonard Hamilton always has a lot of height on his team. Um, they're probably the tallest team in the ACC again this year. Um, they always seem like they have three or four seven-foot dudes that give us issues. We've already played Florida State. They were the first game we played in ACC play, um, and we won 78-70. to 70, uh, Come from behind win, if I'm not mistaken. And right. Jarma memory, uh, RL, wasn't that the one? They, they basically came out second half and did press defense all second half and kind of got right. back in the game. Right, and and that was that was one of the better halves of the of the season. But like as I said, though, they're playing a lot better than they were back then. So I don't, yeah. I don't, I, I you know, and what was it? A eight, it was an eight point win. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can uh, assume anything similar is going to happen on Saturday. 
I, I'm at a weird place with this team where it's like, and I was telling a friend, um, and as we get closer to rivalry week with uh, Duke, we'll probably uh, figure something out, have some Duke podcast hosts come in, do a cross promo or something like that. But uh, I was talking to some friends, and I was like, honestly, this is the first year I can remember since maybe 2017 where I go into games expecting to win them uh, as opposed to hoping to win them. Um, the past couple of years, it's been kind of a, well, if Armando doesn't get hurt, and the threes are falling and Caleb can get this amount of shots up and RJ can do this. And this, if all these things happen, Carolina has a chance to win the game this year. It's like, I don't even know where it's coming from half the time. Like, uh, Armando didn't have a very good game. Um, and he hasn't when he's had to play against someone close to his size, really, if you look back over the whole season, uh, he struggled in some of these other Kentucky and some of these other games too. Um, but they haven't needed him the way they've needed him in previous seasons. Uh, can you talk to the shift in the offense in terms of moving away from being so reliant on Armando Baycott to what they are now, which is like a, it's like moving parts. Like it doesn't really matter. Everyone knows their role. So the offense flows easier and it helps when everyone's passing the ball too. So your thoughts on the difference between the last two years where it was mainly Armando kick it out um, or Caleb, stop ball, shoot a shot to where they are today. Yeah, and and Mondo's numbers weren't that good uh, uh, the other night, but he did a terrific job on Afton Reed, and uh, you, you got to credit him there. And, uh, you know, he, he made him some nice uh, high screens to help free R.J. Davis. So he's doing a lot of other things. He's just not, yeah. not scoring as much recently because, uh, like you said, they don't need it. And then you look at the element that Harrison Ingram brings, you just you just can't minimize. Um, he admitted after the game that his the wrist on his shooting hand is still bothering him. So and I think that's affecting his shooting, but he yeah. does so much more. And I didn't realize it till today. If you look at ACC games only, he leads the league in rebounding, which is amazing. Especially on a team with Armando Baycott on it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. He's at he's at 10.6. Uh Mondo's uh fourth in the league in ACC only games. And um, you know, that they're there, yeah, they're just so many, uh, like you said, there are two or three things had to happen last season. Uh here it's either or there are many elements that can uh go into Carolina winning. And you, and I'm telling you, I know I know I say this every week, but uh, Elliot Cadeau, I'm telling you, he's he's he just keeps on coming on. And if uh, if a photos play drop coverage like uh, Wake Forest did the other night, he's gonna really flourish because uh, he he just uh, was blown by defenders, driving the basket, creating chances for others. Like I don't think we've seen from a UNC guard since Kobe White. And then he's also yeah. learning how to be effective on the secondary break. And uh, he has talked about, uh, he had a video session with Marcus Page earlier in the month. And uh, they he showed him uh, a lot of Kobe White tapes and showed him what is, is the goal on some of those plays. And uh, I think that's helped and really uh, his progression in recent games, has, has been really good. The, I have noticed a, a change in Cadeau in terms of um, 
his aggressiveness towards the hoop. Uh, he was really passive and just kind of moving the ball around earlier on in ACC play. But as we got deeper in ACC play, especially Monday, he was driving to the hoop. He was challenging uh, and getting to the cup and scoring that way. Um, and I love the fact that they are moving the ball the way they're moving the ball around. Um, they have some sequences where it's like, you know, they've got the numbers on the break and it's like three passes. The ball never even hits the ground. Easy dunk type of thing. Um, and I like that they're set up for going forward, too, because while Armando's a fifth year guy, Cormac is a grad student. I don't know if RJ would use his COVID year. You've got a core that's going to be here next year. Harrison Ingram was a junior. I thought he was a senior, so he, he can come back next year if he wants. Uh, Jalen Washington's going to take this leap next year. Um, we've seen a leap from Seth Trimble. He'll be here next year. And then you've got this draft, I mean, this uh, this class of freshmen coming in with two All Americans on it. Uh, Drake Powell, who plays over at Northwoods uh, here in North Carolina, Tyler Zeller's his assistant coach. Um, Ian Jackson, didn't he the other one that made it? Uh, yeah. the so uh-huh. they're coming in. Cadeau was part of that class. He reclassified up to come in this year. I assume Cadeau would probably be back for sophomore year because I don't know if he's done enough to get drafted first round this year, but with uh davis gone next year becomes Cadeau's team completely next year and that sounds like a fun team coming in next year plus i haven't even got to whatever hebert does in the portal <laughs> like to replace some right. folks so i mean this this thing is rolling man this thing is rolling i like what they're doing um and when, when i was speaking to my friends before i was trying to explain the carolina roster and i and we've said it on the show where i'm like it's it's a dean smith roster but with a wrinkle and hubert kind of reminded me of the wrinkle the other day where he was like Ever since the 2016 season, when Roy was playing two point guards with Marcus Page um, and Joel Berry, he fell in love with the two point guard idea. So this is a Dean Smith roster, but he's running two point guards. Like, And usually there are two out there at the same time. If you take Davis out or you take Cadeau out, Tribble comes in. So it's he's running. It's, it's almost like Roy was running Dean's offense, but with two big men running up and down. Hubert's doing the same thing, but instead of two big men, he's running two point guards and running it that way. But everything else is the depth, the position. Everyone's got someone behind them. Uh, there's no um, – you never really saw it last year, but you could sense there was some kind of – just the team went together last year. And it feels like – and maybe you can talk to this just from seeing them up close. It feels like this team is closer. Like It feels like they enjoy playing with each other, and that kind of comes out in the games. Like, can you – talk observation wise when you see them you know just in layup lines or warm-ups or whatever do you catch a vibe that they're better friends <laughs> than the teams from the past couple of years it does does seem there's, there's there's a lot of team unity the guys uh, get along well we've heard stories of uh when they go out to eat uh they pull the tables together because they want to be together uh and uh the team seems to really bonded which is impressive considering there were only four guys back from last season. That's what, that's the part I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> I can't it, figure out. <laughs> of course, of course they, it, keep in mind, uh, most of them were on campus by midsummer. I guess Okonkwo wasn't until the end of July because he played in the uh, Euro championships, but um, they've had a lot of time to, to bond and, um, you can't, you can't predict that's what's going to happen. But uh, they've 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 hit it off, and and uh, that really is is a big plus if if you get along with your teammates and are supporting each other, and that they definitely 
seem to be doing that. Uh, I mean, you can tell post game, they'll be joking with each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Um, I want to get back to this before we do a quick preview of Florida state in terms of, uh, Below Carolina, there's a glut of teams with two losses and three losses, Florida State, Duke, NC State, uh, Wake Forest, and then you get to another tier with like Virginia, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and those guys. Really, it's the those first four, Florida State, and then the rest of the ACC Big Four, Duke, NC State, Wake. Out of those four, who do you think has the best shot? I, well, I don't know if maybe I can catch Carolina at this point with a two-game lead, but who do you think has the best shot to challenge Carolina Um going into the second half of the ACC season? Oh, for sure, I'd say Duke. I mean, uh, d- the Blue Devils did lose to Pitt, but they were also shorthanded. And, uh, yeah, yeah a, a fully healthy Duke team is, is going to be tough to beat. And uh, no, I, I have no doubt that Carolina can beat Duke, but it's not going to be easy. They're going to have to uh, do everything right to to, uh, to do it. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, I – I saw Duke lose uh, to Arizona earlier this season, so uh, you know I've I've seen it up close that they're beatable. Cameron, that was in Cameron too, wasn't it? That was. So, and then this pit loss was in Cameron. Like I know they were missing Mark Mitchell, and I know they were missing um, who was it? Was it Roach? Was he out? Roach, yeah, it was Roach. Yeah. So, and that's like close to thirty points a game. I get all that, but uh, <laughs> y'all are at home, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all are in Cameron Indoor Stadium, and Pitt came in there. This is a team y'all just beat by like twenty six or whatever. 12 days ago. Um, I don't yeah, trust it seems like this is the games I've seen. Duke is lacking a toughness at times that uh, impressively Carolina has this season. And then uh, that'd be interesting to see how that dynamic plays uh, a week from Saturday. It, it almost feels like Carolina is the older team, like the more experienced veteran team where Duke, they've got older guys over there too. Um it's not yeah, like really much freshman. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Roach has been here. Was, was he a junior? He's been here like three years or whatever. So um, they've got experience too. That's going to be a good one. That one's coming. That's next Saturday. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Right, um, 6.30 a week from Saturday at the Smithson. Yeah, and that's always usually in between. Uh, it's usually that first February in between conference championship and the Super Bowl, usually is when they play. If not, it's usually Super Bowl Sunday uh, if they don't skip. So that you got that to look forward to. Um, next week, uh, quick thoughts on Carolina, Florida state here Saturday. Let me get the, the times and everything for everybody here. Um, that's a two o'clock, uh, two game. o'clock tip and we're hold on. Pull this up here for us. So, uh, and it's on ESPN. So it is on ESPN. Okay. So it is a, yes, you're correct. Two o'clock tip off, uh, Saturday at Florida state, two o'clock, uh, tip off. It's on ESPN proper. Um, Carolina's averaging 83 points per game. Uh, Florida State's averaging 77. Florida State's only allowing 73 points per game, uh, and they're only allowing 44% field goal percentage uh, for their opponents. So it, it now they are, they're actually uh, averaging almost well over nine steals a game too. Um, and they just beat Syracuse at Syracuse. So they've won four of their last five. Uh, Carolina, of course, has won five of the last five, and they're on a nine-game winning streak right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, give me your initial thoughts coming into this matchup, what, uh, things to watch for um, Florida State, and what does Carolina need to do to, to get out of Tallahassee with a win? I think that the, the key is being disruptive on defense as the Tar Heels were against Wake Forest in the second half. They, uh, they 
they rushed Wake Forest. They made them play faster than they want to. If Carolina can do that against Florida State and start running as it did uh, in the second half of the first game in December, they, the Carolina should be good. But might not be might be easier to suggest than for them to actually do it. We'll see how it plays out. But yeah, if 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 they can play solidly deep defensively, uh, and uh, not like they did in the first half. Uh, it, it sounds like uh, Hubert lit into the team at halftime against Wake Forest, throwing in his faux curse words. And uh, yeah, I saw. Uh, I think it was Harrison talking about this that he uses the word fart and and face of. Somebody said, uh, "Could you use that in a sentence?" And he said, "Yeah." He says, "What the fart?" Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine what that word substitutes for. But uh, and yeah. he, he, he said he's never heard him curse. Uh, but uh, but <laughs> yeah, even in the first, I was watching Hubert during the first TV timeout of the uh, second half, and more, he was gyrating and passionate. And he was lit. He was like he lit into them big time. And apparently, uh, according to RJ, it was because they. He didn't think they were playing well on defense in the in the first four minutes, but uh, See. but uh, RJ was telling us that he, he that Hebert knows what buttons to push. Um, and, uh, and oh, I think that Harrison even said, you know, sometimes it's even worse because he doesn't doesn't curse because it makes you feel bad when he starts because you know he wants to, but he can't. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're making him feel this way. <laughs> but, but yeah, if, if they can, so so. Carolina reached that defensive level after the first TV timeout on Monday night. If they can start at that level and stay at it, they ought to be in good shape. But then again, Tallahassee has been it's not rough been kind Carolina over the yeah. years. Not Tallahassee isn't not quite the uh, the terrible uh, city that Atlanta has been for Carolina in all sports, but it. It, it's been pretty hard. Um, and, and we do this live on um, when we come on. Uh, so we're live right now. And if you're seeing us on uh, YouTube or Facebook or uh, the live video on Instagram or uh, on Twitter right now, you can actually respond and interact with us live. Ask your questions. Uh, Tim Fowler uh, in the house watching. Appreciate you watching t- uh, today, Tim. He, he's asking, what do you think? What do you all think about the refs this year? Um I mean, <laughs> they kind of they kind of vary from half to half, don't they? It feels like uh, some stuff they're calling just isn't there, and then some stuff they're not calling. You can hear it through the TV. Um, and I don't know if that's due to a lack of officials or the the officials get together at the beginning of a the game, they decide to let some stuff go, or, or I don't know what it is. But like uh, in that weight game, it felt like they were kind of letting them play, um, and then it started bogging down a little bit. Uh, and they started, you know, calling foul, like not ticky tack fouls, but fouls they were letting go the first half. I guess that's my only issue with refs, but that's every year. There's no continuity uh, throughout a whole game. It feels like it's just the whim. Now, it depends on who you get. If you get TV Teddy or something like that, you kind of know going into the game <laughs> what you're getting, but uh, or Roger Ayers or whoever. But um, I don't like it when I know the referees' names. Like if I know who they are, <laughs> I know who they are for a reason. If I if I know Teddy Valentine's doing the game or whatever, then you kind of got to keep your head on a swivel, I guess. Uh, you're about team cohesion. That crew on Monday night was unpredictable. 
Roger Ayers, you could probably you could you could kind of predict what he was going to call. Rod Groover was the guy who was calling the the, the odd ball stuff. Uh, you know, it it would there's always one. Helpful if all three referees were calling it the same way, but it wasn't. Rod Groover was the one who invariably, when there was a head scratcher, it was his call. And boy, the last two games, Cormac Ryan has to be just uh, oh. mystified. He's had uh, at least four fouls in the last two games that were just uh, crazy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, creative calls, whatever you want to call them. They were calls. <laughs> I even, I think I, I asked him after one of those games and he wasn't biting. He said, oh, no, I'm not going to criticize the ref. And poor Cormac, man, his, his ankles are going to be nubs by the time the season is over. He's untwisted his ankle, both of them, like multiple times already. It's January. Like, I'm I'm surprised he even came back in the game because uh, it looked like the weight player stepped on his foot, and that's what twisted it uh, on Monday night. But he was able to come in and finish the game. So, um, Jared Hardy, I know uh, a friend of mine who's a Carolina fan and does some work for Carolina, uh, says, what's good, bro? What do you all think of the impact of Ingram on this team? They're not a number three team in the country without him. Um, they're not 8-0 in ACC play without him. Like, he – I was going to say, is he their most valuable player? It's either him or RJ. Um well, it's got to be RJ, but uh, uh, Ingram certainly Carolina would not be where they were without Ingram. Maybe most consistent player, because even if he's not getting you double digit points, he he's gonna get you those rebounds. He's gonna get you the rebounds. He's gonna be able to defend, um, and he, he will have a part in the game where he will he will post a player up and like back them down and make them feel small, give them a little small sign when he's done scoring on them or whatever. And he'll have a little stretch where he'll do two or three of those and kind of settle the offense. We haven't had that in a while. Somebody outside of Baycott that can just post a player up, back them down, settle the offense, get a bucket. Uh, and, and that's the part I love about this Carolina offense. You would think with Hubert being the coach that he would be teaching outside in too. You know, I want everybody shooting threes, like that kind of thing. No, he's doing old school. Like I, I've seen so many announcers say it, and I've been saying it from the jump. This reminds me of a Dean Smith team. But now the like the talking heads in the studios are saying, it. oh, this is old school Carolina. This is old school Carolina when you watch them play. And I'm just like, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. This is what I grew up on. This is what I watched when I was seven years old. This is the same type of Carolina team that you knew was going to win 25 games because of the way they played. And I'm excited. Some of, man. Some of Ingram's some of Ingram's moves around the post are better than Mondo's. Um, yeah, yeah, they really are. You have, you have to you have to point out though that he's probably being guarded. If there hasn't been a switch, he's being guarded by the four instead of the five. However, he he really is able to muscle in and make some nice shots uh, close in, which is impressive uh, and, and gives Carolina so much versatility. So we'll, 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 we'll stop it there. Um, when we come back next time, it'll be our Duke preview, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, it'll probably be our Duke preview. I think they got another game in between that by the time we come back again, beginning of next week. Um, I'll see what we can do to set up something. Maybe talk to the, uh, the guys over at the devil's den podcast and do a, um, with Josh Smith and Dustin Shu. Uh, usually I do something with them on franchise players during rivalry week, but we might just move it over here uh, and do it as a second. Yeah, they're, playing, they're playing at Georgia Tech on uh, Tuesday night. And, uh, you know. So we might be back next any, Wednesday. Any Carolina athletics event in Atlanta, you, you have to brace yourself. Yeah, you, you keep mentioning Atlanta and Carolina having some issues down there. Uh, and that goes back to like the 80s. <laughs> like when John but Sally. That goes back to the 1977 Final Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, they, they have had some issues in Atlanta. So, I don't know. We'll see how bulletproof this team is because it seems like whatever's been thrown at them, 
they emerge on the other side, double digit victors. So um, we'll see how long this train can go. It's almost feeling like 2009, like the way this team is kind of plowing through teams in the ACC. And I don't get that far yet because we all, we, that team was like, yeah, that team has to win the national championship. Like there's nothing else they can do but that. This team ain't there, but I'm starting to feel like it's going to be a disappointment if they don't get to the final four the way they're playing right now. And, then, uh, and, and this, this team plays defense a lot better than the 2019. Yeah. The 2019, this, their, its mentality, mentality was, we're just going to outscore you. But, uh, yeah. This one's like, they, no, they, you're they, not going to score seven. <laughs> until late in the season. Yeah, they kind of – and those Roy teams were like that, where the Roy teams, it felt like they got better as the year went on. So they might have some issues in December non-conference and lose, like, to Wofford or somebody. And you're like, oh, no, what's going on with this Carolina team? But by the time they got to late February, they kind of rounded into what he wanted them to be. The rotation was set. And they were winning games. And they usually – his teams usually trended up as the team as the season went on. This Hubert team has been here since like mid December, and I've just—I don't know if this is the ceiling, because uh, there's still some room to grow. But looking at all the other teams, Duke probably has a little bit more room to grow ceiling wise. But I don't know if they can get there because of just it, all the injuries and just being in and out. And you're in the middle of January now; like it, it's not a lot of time I mean, to kind of build that, you know. So maybe Wake. I was a little if you're a, Carol- if you're a Carolina fan. Uh, and you understand that this team can get a lot more consistent offensively. Uh, and you see there's that room to grow. That should really excite you. Yeah. I, yeah. I totally agree. And John Kramer says Tar Hills haven't peaked yet. I don't think they have either. So um, we still haven't seen a monster, huge monster game from Baycott yet. Uh, we just got one from RJ Monday. Um I just like the makeup of this team. Like, it, it doesn't feel like you have to depend on one particular guy. Just really, they just need two dudes to go off, really, and they play defense, and they're probably going to win the game. Um, and they pull and another element, another element that Elliot Cadeau mentioned himself on Monday night after the Wake Forest game is that he wants to be able to make a jump shot. Once he can make a Ooh, jump yeah. shot, That's, they have to re- go out there and respect that. The Mark way he can blow by defenders, oh, my goodness. That's that that turns him into Joel Berry <laughs> pretty much like once he starts doing that. And that's that's the next evolution for Cadeau is to get that jumper where it's just like and RJ went through this freshman year, you know, like where it wasn't as consistent to look where he is now, you know, like where everything he throws up feels like water. <laughs> it's just gonna So um, we'll get so we'll get you ready for that. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll either be back before the Georgia Tech game or after it on Wednesday. And we'll preview, we'll recap the week and we'll preview Duke. Um, and we might split that up and get Devils then to come in uh, for the second part of that episode and just kind of talk the rivalry and um, how it's changed since Hubert and John Shire have taken over and uh, kind of go from there. Hubert has not beaten John Shire yet. Um, the last one he had against Duke was that final four win against uh, Duke and Coach K. So he has not beaten John Shire yet. He's 0-2 against him. Uh, so this will be an opportunity for Hubert to get that monkey off his back here. Um, and like John says here, just subscribe. You can subscribe at youtube.com forward slash at tobacco road sports radio. Not only do we have believe in Hills hoops, we are the home for believe in Carolina Panthers with myself, uh, sports illustrated beat writer, Skylar Callahan and all time leading Panthers rusher, Jonathan Stewart. Um, just saw before we get out of here, breaking news in the NBA, uh, the Milwaukee bucks are finalizing an agreement to, to bring in doc rivers as the next head coach of the Milwaukee bucks. So got a little breaking news here too. Um, while we're here live. So, uh, we'll go ahead and hop out of here. Let you guys enjoy your Wednesday again, Saturday, 2 PM, 
Tallahassee, Florida State versus number three, North Carolina. North Carolina trying to go to nine and oh in ACC play. I think for the first time since 92 93. I think if I read that right. So, and that was Dean Smith's second national championship squad. So, we'll, we'll keep this thing rolling. Um, so, for Ariel Byron, um, Desmond Johnson, you've been watching and listening to Believe in Heels Hoops here on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by Bet Online.